Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all this morning. Thank you for joining us in church and those who are online too. Welcome. Um, let me introduce myself. I know most of you, but my name is Candy Burke. I'm married to Don. I've got two, we've got two grand, grown children and four great grandchildren. Um, I'm an elder here at the church. Um, I also lead a life group. And during the week, I attend a ladies' community Bible study class, which um, at the moment we are studying X, which has been really helpful but challenging. Let me pray before I continue. Father God, thank you for this time that we can come before you. Thank you for your word that is so applicable in our daily lives. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us to learn more about you. And may the Holy Spirit give me the sense of what you want me to say to, to your people this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, the book of Nehemiah. We've been learning about Nehemiah who's been concerned for the community of God's people. And he was following their uh, plan or their tr journey back to settling in Jerusalem. His concerned and grieving heart actually led him to mourn and f weep and fast before turning to God in prayer to seek God's wise counsel and be prepared to serve God in whatever way he could. In the first week then he started the series, he spoke to us and gave us three things to think about. I will take my needs to God. I will let God shape my prayer. I will step out in faith. And Nehemiah did step out in faith with, in partnership with God to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. We heard from Anthony in the second week and he had um, left us with these thoughts on how Nehemiah proceeded with the plan for the task he had from God to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah moved forward with clear purpose and mission. He faced opponents, but he also had supporters to the work. And he displayed wise, godly leadership. And last week, then he spoke about the problem that faced the community. The faith community that Nehemiah was trying to rebuild, there were rich people who were burdening the poor people with crushing interest on loans, forcing them to resort to the unthinkable. And this made Nehemiah very angry. He stopped to think over it, and his response was, should you not walk in the fear of our God? And maybe this be our motivation to do the right thing in reverence to God, who God is. Nehemiah went on to issue a challenge to the nobles and the officials, who actually then turned and promised restoration for all they had done. So we're back in the story of Nehemiah this week, in chapter 6 to 7. I don't know about you, but Nehemiah has been quite a challenge for me, and I can identify with him in many of the things that he went through. So let's get back to the story and look at the plots and the schemes that Nehemiah's opponents threw at him to undermine and derail his God-assigned work. And what was Nehemiah going through, I wonder? What was his response? I hope you've been following the story. 
And did you identify with any of that Nehemiah went through? It has been said that Nehemiah was a great example of strong leadership. But where did his strength come from? Who was his source? So let's read and get, find out what that was. Nehemiah chapter 6. Now, when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gate, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Hakipirim in the plain of Ono. A friendly invitation to meet at Ono. Oh no, Nehemiah must have thought, they're at it again, for I know they intend to harm me. Let's keep reading. Come and let us meet together at Hakipirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messages to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? You see, Nehemiah was committed to this work God had given him. He was resting in God and he would not be distracted. God was his source of strength. And he needed the strength because the opposition didn't give up. And then they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. You see, repetition can be wearisome, and it's very easy to give in, but, and often, this enemy uses this to distract us from our purposes. Hope we can hold on. Well, it didn't stop there. It went on to heavy stuff. Verse 5. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now, come, let us take counsel together. Whoa, this was a big threat. And it was real. And if the king will... And if the king thinks we are rebelling, he'll crush us. So how can Nehemiah refute this threat? What should he do? This was his answer. Then I said to him, saying, No such thing as you have say, no such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind, for they all wanted to frighten us thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. What did Nehemiah do? He turned to his God in prayer. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. See, all that opposition was aimed at trying to stop the work, to weaken the work, and maybe Nehemiah did feel weak, and his men too. And probably they were tired, 
and exhausted. It would have been so easy to succumb to this and give up and stop the work. But Nehemiah didn't. He turned to his God. He knew he was big, but he knew God was the source of his strength. His response, but now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. What a great prayer for us. We can pray that too. When difficulties and threats and bad reports weaken our determination and tempt us to step back from the work God has for us, we can pray this way too. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. But the opposition didn't stop. The Nehemiah now was getting death threats. Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mahitabel, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But Nehemiah refuted them. He was not going to run away, let alone hide in the temple, where he, a common man, was not to enter, because it was by God's degree, decree. He called their bluff. He knew God's commands, and he respe respected that. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in, the way, and in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat? Oh my God, according to these things that they did. And also the prophetess, Noadea, and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Can you hear Nehemiah? He is saying, I will not give in to fear. I will not stop and hide and disrespect God. And he prayed to God and committed the opponents to him for God to deal with them. Such faith is to step back and let God do it. The wall was finished in 52 days. Nehemiah and his team had done such a great job in such a short time. The enemies had to really pull their heads in and concede defeat. They admitted that the work of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem was accomplished with the help of Nehemiah's God. But it did not end there. The opponents didn't give up. Another attempt was made to attack Nehemiah, and this time it was Tobiah, and he continued to send letters to make Nehemiah afraid. But Nehemiah was not afraid of men, but he feared and respected God. He continued to trust God and stayed focused on what God had revealed him to do. What do you think? Can you identify with any of that? I certainly can. So let us for a moment ponder how Nehemiah managed to stay focused on the project. 
How is it that it did not give up? Well, you see, Nehemiah had a close relationship with God. He was a man of prayer. He spent time pondering on the situation. He was grieving, and he fasted, and he prayed before he stepped out and asked God because he knew the source of his strength was God, and he never lost sight of that. He had not taken his eyes off God, and he continued to pray with expectations through all the turmoils he faced. How did he do it then, when it would have been so easy to give up? His priority was putting God first, making sure he stayed in communication with God. He depended on his relationship with God. He leaned into God to hear God speak to him, guide and direct him in his commitment to serve God. He may have felt weak, but he stayed strong only because he knew God had come through for him in the beginning and again and again. He could trust God to... Be to do it again whenever he needed help because he was in God's will, doing God's work. So how about us? When it comes down to us, how do we cope with life which goes up and down or manage the demands of daily life, the distractions from people, the difficulty of the circumstances that surround us, the day-to-day -day issues that need attention, major issues that need decisions, it can easily wear us down, enough to make you want to give up and take it the easy way out. But we don't have to give in to the pressure. We can rely on God who's always ready to help us in all our needs and enable us to meet all that we have to deal with. Our prayer can also be Strengthen my hands, O oh God. You see, threats and distractions can come from many sources. It can be pressure from within ourselves. It can be pressure from another. It can come from within our own home, our family, our friends, people at church, the workplace, the school, the community where we live or involved in. We face persecution and ridicule for our faith. We may be tempted and derailed from fulfilling our responsibilities to our families, to our loved ones. We may be undermined and sabotaged at work for refusing to slacken off or take part in some underhanded scheme. We may be bullied and excused from activities at school or sport or leisure activity groups. We may feel it is too hard to keep committing to coming, being at church for others, and we'd rather stay home. Sunday mornings can be feeling very hard too. Life can feel hard. Serving in a team can be hard. But remember, our prayers can be, strengthen my hands, O oh God. I want to honor you. I want to worship you. Strengthen my hands, oh God. I want to be who you want me to be in my family relationships and habits. Strengthen my hands, oh God.
I want to be here for others. Strengthen my hands, O God. Apostle Paul wrote, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weaknesses. I can attest to that my whole life. See, God loves us and he wants a relationship with us. He is an almighty God, but he is also our heavenly father. He wants us to learn and walk close to him to be more like Jesus. That means we have to keep our eyes on God and focus on his amazing goodness to us. We need to spend time with God, listen to him, because he's ever ready to listen and commune with us. We can seek his input into our lives in the difficulties arise because we can know we can approach God and he will enable us and meet us where we need. God wants to strengthen us to do what he wants us to do for him. Don't forget, he can also weaken our enemies and stop them wearing us down. So go to God when you need to. Apostle Paul again said in Ephesians, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So stand up for what you believe in. Call out Satan's bluff and temptations. Spend time thanking God for his grace and mercy. Count your blessings, which will keep you feeling, which will keep you from feeling defeated and ignored. It cannot, time is precious, you know, We cannot reclaim it. So use it wisely for God, for your good, for my good, for our good, and for his glory. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Did you get get caught up in Nehemiah's stories? Have you been reading through as we've been listening to the series? Well, I have. And it does, did get me interested to keep going on. So we're back into the story in chapter 7. Nehemiah continued his work, but he passed on his responsibility to his brother and the governor with instructions to guard the city. He turned his attention and focused on gathering God's people to be settled in Jerusalem. Once again, we read the relationship Nehemiah had with God gave him access to God, and God's plan for the next step was revealed to him. Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, officials, and people to be enrolled by genealogy. And as with previous chapters, we'll see there was a long list of people who have returned from exile, and Nehemiah acknowledged the people of God and gathered them to give them another chance to worship him and follow him in his truth, in integrity, in purity, holy and set aside for God. The past two years for us has been very unusual, I'm sure you all know and will agree. Out of the norm and unsettling. It has not been the life we knew before the pandemic. We faced the unknown, restrictions and lockdowns. We faced threats to our family way of negotiating life and many aspects of it. But now we have slowly been readjusting to life, which is different, 
because it has changed. And this may be the new norm we have to adapt to. Life is precious, but also fragile. And we have to negotiate life on how to stay safe and well in this ongoing period of pandemic. So how are we managing? Where does our strength lie? Who are we trusting and looking to for guidance? It's not easy, is it, to negotiate a different way of life? Most of us don't like change. But we do have a God who is unchangeable and stable, always faithful, always trustworthy, dependable, and willing to welcome us into his arms. Whatever we face, we can turn to God. Whatever perceived threats and unknown we face, we can take it to God. He's ready to help us deal with it, with his strength and with his grace. Here at church, we have adjusted to some of these changes and we're focused on coming back strong. But what does that mean for us? How does it look for us? We are a welcoming church family and we're welcoming the family back into the church building to resume worshipping God together as a family and restart some activities as well as start new ones. We want to grow as believers through faith, through prayer, reading and studying God's word to be more like Jesus. We want to learn to trust the Lord in these times of uncertainty, but we want to keep growing and reaching out to make more disciples for Jesus. We are welcoming new families into church. There are some who already know Jesus, but have come to worship here. We have new believers who have joined us at church, and we want to welcome them into this church family to help them to belong to God and God's family, to help them, help them grow deeper and stronger in their faith. We have others who are seeking God, and we need to be prepared and willing to step out to reach them, to help them to see Jesus' love and sacrifice and offer of salvation. So how do we do this? We do it with people who are committed to Jesus, continuing to grow in our relationship with Jesus, praying to Jesus, listening to him, studying the word and being prepared to obey his command to go out and make disciples. So when you look forward to God's purpose for us here, what do you see? Well, this is what I see. I see outward-looking people seeking to gather others to God. I see a people reaching out to others, <coughs> excuse me, offering inclusion and acceptance and friendship. I see a strong commitment to turning up, to learn together, worship God together. I see more of you and our, more of us shining in our neighborhoods and workplaces and schools, reaching out to neighbors and friends, loving them, telling them how our faith in an unchanging good God gives us hope, peace, and life in this changing world. And it all starts here, in the midst of our difficulties and hardships and uncertainties in the midst of our illnesses and fears, 
Right when our hands feel weak, it starts here with this prayer. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Let us commit to rebuilding the people of God to be bold witnesses for him. Let us build new believers to trust God and to step out into his plans and purpose for their lives. Let us move forward, trusting our almighty God and depending on his strength to do the work he has for you. As the, as the team comes up to lead us, I invite you to consider your situation. Open your hands, look at them as I am looking at mine. In your family, in your work, in your commitment to church family, where do you feel afraid, or threatened, or tired, or weak? Will you pray this with me? But now, God, strengthen my hands. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Amen.